0: In our series, we've been looking at hope for our finances. And this is the final week of our series. And I want to ask you the question who is first in your life? Not what is first, but who is first in your life? Now, we celebrate first, we remember. Certain first memories, first moments—you know—as spouses, we may reminisce long ago about the first date or the first kiss, or if you we were really good, the first date and the first kiss all at once. <laughs> we reminisce, you know, you know, even about our children as old as, grown up as they are. Maybe now that we we look, we remember the first time we met them, the emotions that we felt, the first birthday, first tooth, first. First time that they went to school, we we know all this time. The first night good sleep that we had 10 years after they grew up and we, we, we know the first. We celebrate first. We You know, the first time maybe in our own life that we learned how to cycle without stabilizers or the first time that the first day at school or the first best friend that we had or the first job that we had or the first you know career that we decided to go on we we all remember first because first are important they have great meaning to us you know in life and in the world first often represents best those who come first are best they win the prize But the same is true for our life that first actually is defined as coming before all others in time or in order. It is to have the foremost in importance. It is having the highest or most prominent part in your life. Who is first in your life? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your job? Is it yourself? Who is first in your life? Well, we look at one of the wisest men who ever lived who penned a number of books in the Old Testament, one of them being the book of Proverbs. He writes, as the wisest man who ever lived, he writes as a father, repeating the words of his father, David, to his sons and to his daughters and to us. And so he begins in Proverbs 3, 1 to 6, he says, my son, never forget the things I've taught you. If you want a long and satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. Never tire of loyalty and kindness. Hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep in your heart. If you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first. Put God first foremost, highest, prominent. He is first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Solomon Proverbs 3 here, he's, he's laying out for us that if you want to live a long and satisfying life, if you want to have favor with both God and man, a reputation for good judgment, and common sense, a life that's directed by God, a life where he crowns our efforts with success, then he says, put God first. The wisest man who ever lived, his one wise instruction to his son, to his children, to the next generation, us, is put God first. Put God first. We looked at this in week one of our series, Seek First, Worry Second, Matthew 6.33, that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. All well, what things? Well, all the things that you desire, all the things that you seek, all the things that you ask for, that you enjoy, that you need and you want. He says, when you put God first, all these things will come after When God is first, everything else falls into order. When God is first, everything else comes into place. When God is first in your life, in your desire, in your heart, in your mind, when he is first and foremost at all times, he says, all these things will be added to you. The opposite, when we put ourselves first, we fail. When we are first, we live a discontent and dissatisfied life that no matter how much you achieve, no matter how much you attain, no matter how much resources or riches or wealth you build up, when God is not first, everything does not last. God is first. He will direct us and crown our efforts with success. He will give us favor on our lives. So putting God first and foremost is important. How do we do that? Well, putting God first begins by giving God our first. Giving God our first represents putting God first. Our best. Giving him everything. Giving him our heart, our life. As we ask the question, Lord, will you, Jesus, will you be the Lord of my life? To be the Lord is to be the Lord. The Lord of not part, but all. And in putting God first, in seeking God first, in in Him being first and foremost, it begins by giving God your first. I want to read for a few moments in Genesis chapter 4, right to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 4 verses 1 through 7. Here we see that Adam made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man, of course it was a boy, A child. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks. He was a shepherd. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. This is important. In the course of time, it happened to be he gave some and Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn his first of his flock, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, If you put God first, if you give God your first, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We see here this being one of the first examples, if not the first example, in Scripture of the relationship between man and God and putting God first, that everything flows from this, So all of our theology about putting God first, and giving God first, we can look to this to learn, and to see some aspects, and ask some questions, you know, why would God respond in one way towards someone, and not towards another? Did it change his love for Cain? No, but what we see is he didn't look on favor of his offering, and Cain here, it's important to know that he was The firstborn. Is there any firstborns? Put up your hand if you're a firstborn. Wow, quite a lot. Wow, lots of firstborns. I did not realize that to be so many firstborns. With firstborns, they know the parents make all their mistakes on the firstborn. Hey, you can testify that. The firstborn, you know, oftentimes holds the responsibility of looking after the rest. The firstborn is often the one who, when the parent is away, that they're the one who's in charge. They're the one who's responsible. The firstborn is important, and, and traditionally, the eldest is the one who guides their brothers and sisters and takes responsibility for the rest. My firstborn is my my son, Levi. I've got four boys. He's the first of four boys, and he's... I. He knows he's a leader of his brothers. He reminds them daily. He's like, I am the leader. I am in charge. You are to follow me. Get an order. You know, recently, we, we you know, um, he, he's, been, he's been at times saying to my boys, he's saying, are you listening to mommy? Are you, you saying? She don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. rather than like you know oftentimes you know blaming them or or giving you know telling on them he's now taking responsibility for the rest i'm in charge but as a firstborn actually you know cain you know i I know in light of the full story we often see cain as the murderous vengeant one who who commit the the first murder in the world that ever happened but cain was also the first child ever born he was the firstborn Eve, when when she had Cain, she would have... Can you imagine the joy? First, obviously, the the fear of childbirth, but then having the fruits of the firstborn, the, the child being the firstborn into the world, and the firstborn would have been traditionally, and still often is today, the one who would give his first, who would lead the way, who would example what it's like to give his best, to take responsibility for the rest. But here we see that Abel... The younger son is the one who gives his first. He's the one who gives his best. He's the one who acts like a firstborn. And here's the first point I want to share with you today is that it takes great faith to give God our first. That's an understatement. It takes enormous faith. It takes sacrifice. It takes obedience. It takes so much faith. Why? Because if I give God my first, what if I don't have a second? What if I don't have any more? It's the first. It's the first one that exists. If I give him my first, well, what will happen next? we see that Abel gave his firstborn lamb of his flock over to God. He gave it in faith that his sheep would produce more. He gave it in faith to God, recognizing that all of the productivity of his flock all comes from the Lord and all belongs to the Lord. Therefore, why would I not give my firstborn? He gives his firstborn. It takes great faith to give God our first. Now, if we were to be honest in light of this story, and we see ourselves in this story, oftentimes as Cain, not as able. What does it say about Cain? Well, verse three says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. The New King James says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Cain may have had good intentions. You, you could still argue that, that didn't Cain still give to God? Like, didn't he, didn't he still follow in any act of obedience? But what matters is not good intentions, but rather being intentional. Not saying, oh, I meant to, but did you do? It's not good enough to your, to your wife or your husband this Christmas, that one loved one in your life saying, on Christmas Day comes, he goes, I I meant to get you a gift. (laughs) That's going to go out well. I meant you, I was in the shop, I was there, I saw what I could have got you, but I didn't do it. Because what's not not important is your intentions. It's being intentional. By putting our faith into action, by putting God first. In contrast, verse 4 says, Abel brought an offering, fat, portions from some of the firstborn of his flock the living bible says he brought fatty cuts of meat from his best lambs a lovely roast lamb and presented them to the lord and the lord accepted abel's offering but not cain's he looked upon abel with favor but not on cain why is this this unconditional loving father god who is most supreme he at the beginning of chapter four we see he's he's responding in a way that we need to learn from because we can understand more about the nature of god and theology and how he works and i believe that the reason that the lord didn't accept cain's offering was not because he gave less than abel It was not the amount that he gave, but it was the attitude of his heart. It was his attitude and his actions that flowed from his attitude. It was not the amount, it was his attitude. It was because of his attitude. Rather than submitting everything to God, he chose to do what he wants when he wants it. He chose to give what he wants on his terms some over time. In contrast, the Lord accepted Abel's offering because he gave it and presented it in true faith, in dedication. Abel gave his best. He gave his first, but God rejected Cain's offering because he saw a heart that lacked faith. He saw a selfish heart. He saw a heart that chose not to do what is right. As verse 7 says, you did not do what is right. Verse 5 and 6 says, so Cain was angry. His face was downcast. The Lord clearly sees Cain's demeanor and his heart and he asks, why are you angry? You know, why are you downcast? God saw that Cain's heart was not one of generosity and gratitude, but instead it was one of selfishness and greed. He saw his heart. He, he saw that he didn't give his best. He didn't bring his first to the Lord. He gives some over time. But in contrast, and it's important for us not to get so fixated on Cain, but to look at Abel. Why did God show so much favor on Abel? We see that Abel expressed his devotion and faith to God, where Hebrews... In the New Testament, says, Hebrews eleven four 4, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. Another translation says it like this. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. It gave evidence. He showed it. He didn't just say it with his words. He showed it with his actions. Here's what's important. Abel's offering was not better because the expense or the size of the gift, but the way in which it was given. The way in which it was given. The order of which was important. His gift was given to God first out of great faith. You see, what you give may not be great in man's eyes. But when it's given first out of a grateful heart. When it's given in the right way, in God's eyes, it's seen as great. It's not the amount, it's the attitude of the heart. When we give our first, our tithe, our 10%, what happens? The 90% is blessed. When we give our first, God blesses the rest. When we give our first, when we give our best, when we say, I'm not just going to use my words to display my faith. I'm going to use my actions to display my faith. That in scripture, time and time again, and talking about giving God your first, talking about the tithe, talking about presenting it to him. When I give it to out to him out of a generous heart, I receive his favor. I receive his blessing. What becomes blessed? The rest. As Eli has so eloquently put it, that we do not necessarily receive financial gain because we've given to God. No, we receive blessings from God. What? What's blessed? The rest. The rest. The rest of what we hold in our hand. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. It's about the context, not just the contents. It's about the context of our heart, not just the contents of our giving. Let's just imagine for a moment when we read this scripture where the roles are reversed. And if it was to read like this. Cain, as a shepherd, gathered some of his flock of sheep. And over the course of time, gave God some of them as an offering. And Abel, who worked the soil, gave the first of his harvest crops. God would still have looked upon Abel's offering with favor and not on Cain. Because it wasn't about the contents You see, the contrast is not found in the contents, well, he gave this, or she gave that, or they gave that. No, it's about the context of our heart. Cain gave a careless and thoughtless offering. Abel gave an intentional and generous offering. The same is true for us. Don't be so fixated on the contents of what you give, but rather on the context of your heart, that it's given out of a generous heart, out of a cheerful heart, that I get to give to God. I, we could take this and put it to any area of our life. When we worship, let's just say on Sunday morning, and that is, does not just define worship, but when we worship on Sunday morning, am I worshiping with a reluctant heart? Ah, oh, such a terrible week. What oh, God, Jesus. God could have done a better Or could I actually open my arms, open my heart, say, God, I'm so grateful to you. I had a terrible week this week. I I was kicked when I was down. I was beaten. I was oppressed. I was made fun of. But I give glory to you, God. I got such a generous heart, such a grateful heart. When you parent your children, how do you parent them? Where you're giving out? You're saying, how You focus on how bad they are and how wrong they've done and all the bad things. You say, God, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful that I get to wake up this morning. I'm so grateful that I have these children who wreck wrecking my head. I'm so grateful that you've given me a job. How many times did this week did you give out about your job? How many times this week did you give out when you got in that car and it's cold and it's dark when you left your house and it's dark when you get back in your house? How many times do we allow that seep into our hearts and it becomes contagious in our hearts to every area of our heart rather than going, I'm so grateful that I get to get in this car. I'm so grateful that I have a car. I'm so grateful that I get to go to work. Hey, I'm not talking about living a facade and fake and everything is great. And, but it's about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Let's take this further and ask the question, what would have Abel done with the firstborn lamb? Would he have literally like given it to God and God's now got to mind it? No, he would have sacrificed the lamb. In fact, it would have been as a burnt offering to the Lord. The first. Can you imagine what maybe other people, even in our own lives, when we give generously and Graciously and abundantly saying, well, that's such a waste. Can you imagine what the RSPCA would have done to Abel in this time? <laughs> Sacrificing a lamb. You know, we, we have that. We, these are the thoughts that go on in our mind. What a waste. I could do this with that. I could do this with that. I could pay off this. I could have this. It's Christmas. I could set that portion aside. All the feelings that we have. But it was the act of sacrifice to the Lord that displayed Abel's gratefulness. It was his act of obedience. It was the sacrifice that he chose to make that displayed what was in his heart. It wasn't about the lamb. It wasn't about the contents of his giving. It was the act of obedience shown through the offering. The offering that was in his hand displayed what was in his heart. God doesn't look what's in the hand. He looks at what's in the heart. But what is given in the hand is important. Why? Because it's a direct result of our heart. What does the Lord Jesus say himself? That oh, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. What's important? Our words or our heart? Both. They're both connected. What's in our hand represents what's in our heart. Is it given reluctantly, sparingly? out of a stingy heart or out of a grateful heart. Out of a grateful heart. God looked upon favor with Abel because of his motivation and the attitude of his heart. When we give to God, when we give to others, when we serve, when we worship, when we lead, when we, when we encourage, when we give, when we tithe, when we do this with a joyful and cheerful heart out of the, the, the belief that I'm able to give, Because everything was given to me has been given to us by God. He's blessed me with 100% of what I have. Therefore, all that he requires of me, all that he asks of me is that I give the first 10%. That's it. How much difficulty and fight and and argument has that been in, in our life and in the church? I've been in the church for 30 years. I'm since I'm five years old. I've heard so much so much difficulty about it, so much giving out about it, but all that God asks, he's given you a hundred percent. He asks for 10% that he will bless the rest because it represents our gratefulness to him. Here's a third point. Giving God your first is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Verse six and seven, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must rule over it. It wasn't that Cain did the wrong thing. He gave to God. But he didn't do it in the right way. How often in our life have we said, I didn't do anything wrong when the Lord asks but did you do what was right did you do what was right all that he will ask us when we enter into heaven the gates of heaven is to look at what you did while your life not what great things you did did you stand up for the oppressed did you give to the poor did you provide for the needy? Did you encourage those who were down and depressed? How did you respond? How did you act? What way did you do it? It's not about just keeping away from the sinful things, keeping away from the don'ts. but what did you do with your life? Did you do the right thing? Did you do what was asked of you? Abel made the statement that God is first. He's first before all else. Well, Cain, who gave sparingly, made the statement, God, you're in my life, but you're not exactly first. Now, how many of us are like Cain? I'm like Cain. We're all like Cain. We may have good intentions. We may want to do the right thing. We may want and, and be motivated, and we're like, I, my That's my heart. But doing what is right is not always the easiest thing to do. Jesus said, Matthew six thirty three, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Put God first. Give God your first. When you seek him, when you place him first, when you give to him first and his kingdom, all these things shall be added unto you. The question we ask of ourselves, of God, the statement and the the conversations we have in our head. Well, what if I don't have enough after I give? What if I put him first and I haven't got anything left? What if I do this, will I not have enough? What does the Lord say? Over and over again in his word. Over and over and over. When you follow me, when you obey me, when you put me first, I will bless you. Thousands of scriptures where he says, I will bless you. If you trust in me, I will lead you the way. If you have faith in me, it will come to pass. If you believe in me, the promises will come true. Then why do we keep coming to this blockage? Why should this even ever be a question in our minds, in our hearts, in our church? As Christians, why would we not give to God? When we give to him, we place him first, when we, when we tithe, when we give our first 10%, when we place him first, he says, I will bless the rest. Deuteronomy 11, 27, you will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, all your income, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What will be blessed when you put God first? The rest. The rest. God will bless you what you have in your hand after you give. Open hands. He will bless what is in your hand after you give. Well, the question, where do I give my tithe? Where do I put my first 10%? I believe that we are to give to the church. I believe that it's the church is, again, we can... I can pick out so many scriptures where God talks of bringing the tithe to the house of the Lord. One of them is Exodus twenty-three, nineteen: The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I believe it's the church that's going to bring the kingdom of God forward in this nation, in this community, in this world. It's the kingdom of God. That God is expanding, that he is advancing, that he is moving, that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Well, therefore, why won't we resource the church, mobilize the church, empower the church to move? Personally, I want to be obedient to the Lord. I, I personally, out of selfishness, I want God to bless me. I want God to bless my family. I want him to bless my home. I want him, as Proverbs 3 says, direct my efforts, and crown my efforts with success. I want to, so therefore, I want to give to the church. I want to give. I get to give. It's not a question for me. It's not a doubt for me. I hope it's not a doubt for you. Hey, I say this with a smile on my face and a, and a complete lack. I hope you, that you can sense no sense of, of you need to, I get to. I'm inviting you to. I'm just speaking from God's word. Not making anything up. Not coercing anybody. We're going to move on next week and talk about a completely different thing. But if you want to put God first, you've got to give God your first. You've got to give God your first. Because the Lord is not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. He's not. If, you've, if you keep God to a certain part of your life, guess what? You've, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to keep God and restrict God, which you never will be able to do we we'll confine him in our mind. Choose today to put him first. Not over time, not sparingly, not when I get to, not when I come to the pump. but he says, put him first. The first 10%. Maybe you've never tithed. I tell you what, this is a good time to start. It's a good time to start. 2023, 2024 could possibly be one of the most difficult economic Times that we will have gone through in the last 15 years. It's a good time to put God first. It's a good time to start giving. Hey, maybe you've you've never tithed, you've never gave. Well, I want to encourage you, maybe it starts by giving a little. Giving what you can. And allow the God to grow that and to stretch that. Maybe we're gonna say, over the next 12 months, I'm gonna get to that place where I give God my first, my, my first tenth, my tithe, but I'm gonna begin now. I'm gonna start now. And here's one important thing as I finish. I want you to hear me and what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God is not going to bless you if you don't give. I'm going to say that again. I'm not saying that God is not going to bless you if you don't give. God has already blessed you. He has blessed you abundantly. Look at you. He's blessed you so much. He's given you so much. His grace is free. His favor is unmerited. But I am going to say, according to the word of God, God says that when you give God your first, he will bless you. He will bless you. He will pour out his favor. He will pour out His blessing. When you put God first, when you give God first, He will bless you. Here's my final point as I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I want to give you the most important reason. I could have started with this and it could have been a short two-minute sermon. Here's the most important reason to give God your first. God gave His first for you. That should be the only reason. If this was an argument... It should be settled right there. Why should I give God my first? Because God gave his first for you. He gave his first. Christmas is about the celebration of God giving his first. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, his one and only son. His first, his everything. God gave his best to you. John 3.16, a scripture that we know has become so common, and when things become common, we do not see the importance of it. It says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. His grace is free. Salvation is free. It's free. Freely received. But he freely gave, but it was a sacrifice to give his one- and only son. He gave his son to us. Scripture says, "Even as we were angry like Cain, even as we were living in sin, God gave to you." How do we believe in him? Romans 10:9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Your salvation is not connected to your good works. It's not connected to what's in your hand or not in your hand. Your salvation is free and freely given. I wonder, could we just close our eyes right now in this moment? can imagine as your heart may be convicted as my heart was in preparation for this sermon and study, okay, and receiving that revelation. Wow. I'm not going to hold on to my tithe. Wow. I get to give to God all the blessing, all the favor that he has for me. What about for you? Between you and the Lord right now is, even I love when we ask the question, "How do we believe?" What it connects our heart with our mouth, declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I want to give you an opportunity today to declare with your mouth, to to maybe make that statement again. Be the Lord of my life, the ruler the first, the most prominent, the highest above all other things. Be first in my heart, in my life. Would you just pray these words with me? Say, Jesus, I give you my first. I give you my best. I give you all of me. I surrender to you. Become the Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness today. Choose to start again. I believe that I am saved, that I am forgiven. In Jesus' name.